delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Good everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming up your way. No time for news, apart from a chat between Tom Archuli, of course, the direct guy, and Will Davison coming up in just a sec. We'll also catch up with Tim Blanchard. Big weekend for him. Not only is he running a V8 supercar race team out at Winton, he'll also be running his Formula Ford as well. He will be running it, which is some great stuff for Tim, and also we'll have a chat about what happened last weekend at the Bathurst 12-hour and what's coming up this weekend at Winton for the Super Sprint. All that's come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Round 5 of the 2022 Repco Supercars Championship heads to Winton this weekend and joining me is a man that sits third in the championship, Mr. Will Davison. Hello, Willie. Howdy, Tommy. So it finally happened, mate. The race you've waited for since 2016, you got that W. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, no, feeling good. I mean, it's, it's um, yeah, it's certainly nice regardless just to get, just to get a win in the bank um but no very quickly moved on which is good you know um that is our mindset and it's what i've been saying all along um being in positions to win consistently which we've been doing um and now yeah we've got it so now we just focus on on getting more of them um and continuing what we're doing our expectations are high that we're putting on ourselves so it's good that i feel like um you know we're back in that zone you know I'm, i'm i've got that belief um, in everything we're doing. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, really cool way to go racing. So no, I'm not going to carry away with the big win. Um, nice feeling. It's what we should be doing. It's what we should be aspiring to doing every weekend. Um, and we just, uh, yeah, get on with the year now and, and the progression that we're, you know, um, you know, we're sort of trajectory that we're on and the progression we're making. So um, yeah, bit of a controversial way to do it, but um you know, nonetheless, I think we, we deserved it. Yeah, you must be the only person of all time who have won two races without crossing the finish line first. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. It, it, it is annoying. I don't think that's good for anyone. But uh, I tell you, there's been God knows how many race wins over the years where, you know, the, the car in front may have got a penalty and uh, served it in some other way and no one's ever questioned it. So at the end of the day, penalties are penalties, whether it's... Uh, post-race or in-race. Um, so it is. I think it takes takes the shine off a bit for everyone, but um, no one questions anyone other, you know, anyone else's wins if, you know, someone in front of them's crashed or, you know, done something in the lane and got a penalty or um, it doesn't take the shine off their wins. So I th- think it's, a, yeah, a little, yeah, sucks a bit, but end of the day, it doesn't matter. We, we did a good job. We just focus on the job we did and the race we performed. Um, and that's all you can do. All the other stuff's just noise and wah-wah. So, um, you know, I feel like we performed well and, uh, <laughs> and hey, we got the trophy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you've been on a pretty strong run, four podiums in the last five starts. Do you believe you're now maximising performances as a team? Yeah, I think, I think we're, 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 oh, we're always striving for more. Um, 
but you know, just sometimes we, we say less and do more. And, um, you know, ultimately we're always working really hard in the background and, um, you know, people often say you're settling for <laughs> second or that's not true at all. We just, we, we, we say less, um, you know, there's, there's, if you don't win, um, there's no point carrying on about it. Um, you know, we just work hard behind the scenes to, to make progress um, with our package, um, always on myself. Um, you're always, you're always downplaying it, you know, but we're always striving and living and breathing um, how to be better um, as a driver. That never ends. So, um, yeah, I'm digging deep to be better. Uh, Rich and I and the whole team are really, you know, gelling well. I think we've, we've certainly uh, unlocked a few more things um, since last year, you know, um, second year working together. So um, it's good that we've been able to do that, but that's got to keep going. We still clearly need a little bit more performance, um, particularly in, in the race trim. Um, but yeah, I think the way we're able to get the most out of our car, um, you know, so far in all the qualifying sessions, I think is a real credit to the team, um, you know, and the way we're understanding each other. And, and uh, yeah, we'll just keep trying to understand what we need um, to be a little bit better in, in the races. But um, yeah, we've got, got some things we're working on and hopefully we can just, keep up um you know keep up what we're doing and um yeah who knows what's possible for the rest of the year and finally uh winton this weekend first time again to another track since 2019 uh what are your thoughts heading to winton raceway this weekend yeah look looking forward to the challenge um yeah certainly going there having not driven there for three years um there's been some you know small modifications to the circuit at turn three and four and a change in the curb profiles. Um, so we haven't had the ability to see that. Obviously, all the Victorians have been testing there the last couple of years. Um, you know, T8 got a rookie day there last week and had a look at it. So, um, yeah, we certainly go there not quite as prepared as some and with a two-day format, two 30-minute sessions, um, you know, it will be challenging, but I think we're all excited by that challenge. We're not shying away from it. Um, it's, it's, if anything, it's gives you a little bit of extra motivation to, to go onto their home turf and, and, um, you know, really back ourselves and, and our homework and our preparation and, um, you know, see if we can, you know, still get our car to the top. So, um, yeah, confident, um, you know, we'll be able to get on it pretty quick. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the team's always had a pretty good package around there and, um, you know, I'm, I sort of like Winton as well. So, a bit of catching up to do in a short space Saturday morning. That'll be the challenge. But um, two 30-minute sessions, I reckon we can get on top of it for, for when it counts um, come qualifying time. So looking forward to keeping up our good work. You know, we've had six podiums this year, certainly another two or three that have gone missing, you know. So, um, yeah, the form's, form's good and we've just got to really um, got to keep it up. So bring it on. All right. Thanks, Billy. All the best this weekend. We'll see you out there. Thank you, Tommy. Cheers, mate. All right, joining me as he always does off the top of the program, Richard Crowell. Mate, first of all, congratulations. A fantastic call to you and your team across the 12-hour at Bathurst. Thank you, Shebex. Appreciate that. Still pretty tired, won't lie, but it was a tremendous weekend on the mountain and lots to unpick. We'll debrief Australia's International Enduro a little bit later on the show, but I'm looking forward to getting stuck into a discussion with our first guest, Shebex, because 
not only is it looking to the future with a up and coming supercars team, but uh, this weekend at Winton, looking to the past a little bit as well. Yes, back to the future, you could say, Crowley, mm. to an extent. Tim Blanchard joins us, of course, uh, owner and team principal of uh, Cool Drive Racing and a man that's going to be driving a Formula Ford at Winton this weekend. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on board. Double duties. Uh, tell us about this craziness. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it is craziness. It's a very good way to put it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so Formula Ford's always been a, a category that I've, you know, myself and my family have had a, a long association with. And this weekend, the Formula Ford category is racing at the Supercars, which it's the only event there this, this year. And um, obviously, I won the championship in 2007, and my brother's been racing Formula Ford with uh, Sonic this year in the State Series. And he was looking to race at Winton and he decided to go on a holiday and so I swooped on his car to uh, have a crack at the national round. Thought I'm, I'm there anyway and um, yeah, it's a great opportunity to jump back in a Formula 4, which I love driving and to work with Michael and Marie again at Sonic Motor Racing is, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Category close to your heart, I know, Tim. So go back to 2007. Let's talk about your championship year and some of the people you built so ash you beat ash walsh good driver james moffat christian limbom was there nick percat was there taz douglas brad lowe the list goes on it was a very competitive year what what stands out from the 07 championship in your mind um yeah well it's obviously a very good year for me i enjoyed it a lot but um yeah funnily enough the, the winton round was a standout for us that year we um qualified on pole and won all three races and and uh, James Moff and Ash Walsh were probably our main two championship um, rivals. They both had a few issues that weekend. That weekend really set up our um, our championship campaign um, but you know, I think the last round of Philip Island was one of the ones that I enjoyed it the most because the pressure of the championship was off and the last kind of two or three races of Philip Island was just a really good fun race. With Moff and Walshing went wheel to wheel and Lee changed multiple times every lap. That was just good fun racing like Formula Ford is. In regards to the car that you're racing, it's a throwback to the year. It uh, looks identical, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So Maria rang me a few weeks ago and said, what, what livery should we put on? What, what do you want on there? And I kind of thought about it for a little bit. I thought, oh, it'd be cool to do the 2007 livery. And... Um, uh, just yeah, throw, throwback. So we did did that. Um, yeah, look, I think the cars look looks fantastic. I even found my old race suit from 2007, and uh, surprisingly still fit in it. So either uh, I must have been really unfit when I was 19 or whatever I was. <laughs> Tim, there's a great young field in Formula Ford at the moment, and uh, I think that was testament to the racing that we saw at Phillip Island. Uh, in their last round, have you had a chance to sort of see who's in the field and? Uh, are you looking forward to coming up against the young kids? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, racing, you know, my, like I said, my brother's been doing a bit of Formula 4 in the State Series and the Sandown National Round at the beginning of the year. So I've been watching a little bit of it, bit of it and it's always fantastic racing. Like Formula 4 always is, like I mentioned. Um, but, yeah, to be honest, I'm not, not across. I don't know them that well, but it'll be a good opportunity to get to know some of the kids in Formula 4 a lot better this weekend. And we did a test day up at Winton last week and um, got to meet my two Sonic teammates for, for the, this weekend, which was good. And 
uh, having a bit of chat to them about the car and how they drive it was, uh, yeah, really, really good fun. How fundamental was Formula Ford to your career, mate, and that that development pathway that it's been a, a staple of for so long? Oh, absolutely vital. Um, set my career up and, and many, many others. I think when you look at the list of supercar drivers, not many um, haven't done Formula Ford, and you look at the guys that won the Formula Ford Championship, most of them have gone on to have successful racing careers in whatever they've pursued. So um, I think it's a great category. Um, yeah, it's a shame it's not not big on the world scale anymore, but still quite strong in Australia, which is great to see. And I think it just teaches you a lot about you know car control and the mechanical side of how to set up a car. You know, no no real aero on it. Um, you know, and they're still reasonably fast cars. So um, I think from a learning and development category, they're, they're still probably the best best uh, career uh, category for your career. And you're full-time team owner, part-time racing car driver now. So how much did you learn from Mick and Maria from a team owner's point of view? Because Sonic is famous for being arguably the best team in Australia for young drivers to go to to earn their stripes. So have you taken anything out of the Sonic model that you can bring into Blanchard Racing Team? Was there anything that you've drawn on having driven for them in the past? Yeah, absolutely. Their roll call of drivers is is extremely impressive and they run a very tight ship and do things extremely professionally. So, um, you know, and obviously Tim Swade joined, uh, drove for Sonic quite a, quite a lot as well. Um, he was actually my mechanic on my car in 2007 when I won the championship. Um, so I've got him on the spanners on Friday this weekend because he's, they're not on track on Friday. So he's helping it. We're full, uh, getting the band back together. But, um, but yeah, it's one of the things when we first started BRT and, Lady signed on and we said all we need to do is just make a V8 supercar version of Sonic so that's that's kind of the, the way we approached it initially and uh seems to be going all right so far but um yeah working with Mick Maria again is fantastic um and you know Mick does a fantastic job in teaching young kids how they need to go about their racing not just putting them in the car let them drive teach them how to drive it properly how to set it up how to deal with all the pressures outside of it, um, you know, the mental side of it. And it's an all-round education, which I think is really important in a young driver's career. And, um, yeah, he's very tough, and but that's, that's the sort of mentality you need if you're going to make a career out of being a race car driver. You need, need to learn how to deal with that pressure, and Mick does a great job of teaching kids with that. Crazy, I don't know whether you know it or not, but Tim's association with On The Grid is probably the longest association of anyone with this program. We followed Tim's career when he went over to England and mm-hmm. we would speak to him on a regular basis after racing over there. And I'd like to think, Tim, that it helped you in <laughs> maybe getting you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. That that was uh, you know, another year in Formula Ford, but yeah, racing over in the UK, that was, uh, that was uh, a lot of fun. Um, Serious racing over there, guys from all around the world racing the Formula Ford Championship in the UK. Um, but yeah, again, it's just a good category to learn and develop in, and that's why I spent another year in the UK continuing that development in Formula Ford. And and yeah, as you mentioned, Tony, uh, one of the one of the highlights of the year was uh, getting a phone call from you at about ten eleven o'clock every uh, <laughs> Sunday night, or I think it was, to recap the the weekend's racing. That was heaps of fun. And, uh, well, we won't recap the racing for this weekend because it hasn't started yet, but let's have a look forward to it. Uh, how's the team looking V8 supercar-wise? Uh, yeah, they're going all right. We had a 
probably a bit of an average weekend in, in Perth. Um, we just struggled for pace for whatever reason. We haven't really got our finger on it, but we had a bit of a test day. We've thrown a bit of stuff at it, and, um, yeah, we kind of worked slowly working away at it. So, you know, winter and everyone tests, or most teams test there, so it's always a bit of a, a lottery, uh, I think. But, um, yeah, who knows what the weather's going to do. Hopefully it's a bit of fun, good weekend for us. But, Tim, it, it must be a sign of how far the team's come, given that an ordinary weekend for you is 13th, 13th and 10th, and you're still ninth in the championship. So, I mean, that's that's not a bad position to be in when that kind of a weekend in this kind of a supercar field, as good as it is, is an yeah. off weekend for you. Yeah, we do have to put it in perspective sometimes. Remember, it's our, uh, our second year in the series. Um, but, you know, I guess coming off the Grand Prix weekend where we finished, third for the weekend we were kind of on a bit of a high and uh like this sport does it uh takes you back to reality very quickly so um we are here at a zero very quickly there but that's that's this sport um but you know there wasn't a great weekend pace wise but we we still kind of you know two thirteenths and a tenth is not a terrible weekend and so i was glad that we were able to at least get something out of the weekend and and minimize the damage i guess and we didn't have the outright car pace and last one for me. Now, I don't know if you've locked in a co-driver for Slater yet or whether you plan to drive again, but how many phone calls do you think you're going to get after this weekend if some of these young Formula Ford juniors beat a supercar team owner? They're, they will all be on the phone, you realise, going, hey, how about an enduro drive, mate? Come on. Yeah, well, there's a there's a fair incentive there for me to go well this weekend, isn't it? If I, if I win it, I don't think I'll get any phone calls on Monday. If I finish 10th, I'll get nine phone calls on Monday. <laughs> So every every car I pass is one less phone call I'm going to answer on Monday, I reckon. <laughs> hey, Tim, great news on the weather front as well. Uh, 17 and 18 degrees Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and sunny. Three degrees of a night, so it's going to be bloody cold. But it'll be. who would have thought you had to go to winter in the middle of winter to actually get warm weather? Yeah, I know. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, hopefully the, the rain stay, stays away. Um, but, yeah, it's always cold up there this time of year. But, um, yeah, it's... It's always a terrific event, Winton. You get the uh, hardcore race fans there and um, everyone's very passionate and love their racing. So it's, it's probably not our biggest and most glamorous event, but it, I think it's a, always a fun event to go to too. Mate, really appreciate your time. Thank you for that. Good luck this weekend, Formula Fords. Look forward to seeing you up there at Winton on uh, the weekend. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to it. Hopefully uh, we have a good weekend. Tim Blanchard joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, Krause, we've got the band back together for this weekend uh, to have a look at what happened last weekend. Look forward, of course, to Winton this weekend. Mark Walker, g'day to you. Hello, Tony Shebecki. Hello, Richard Crail. Uh, it's good to hear your voice again. I mean, we heard an awful, awful lot. 17 hours worth of it over the weekend. <laughs> Sorry. Not no, it was just doing my job. <laughs> Never enough. And Tomar Chuli, good day to you. Hey, Shabax. Hey, boys. How are we? Good. Hashtag Doric Guy joins us as well to wrap up what's been a, a, a great weekend of racing up at Bathurst. There's no doubting that at all. The time change and all that sort of stuff just seemed to spice it up just that little bit more with the rain that we got on the Sunday and the like. And we'll go back to before the race, Mark Walker, first of all, though. I was going to say, the rain. What the hell was the go with that? Who on earth has ever seen a foggy start break out into a beautiful rainy day? That's not a thing that happens, is it? Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it was weird. It was weird, weird weather. And when I got to the track at what was 20 to 4, uh, and I'm here to tell you right now, that is really early. In the morning. In the morning. <laughs> Why um, did you leave? Hey. Why did you leave oh, the night before? Oh, you pay for a hotel room. You feel like you need to get some value out of it. And then I didn't have beer at the racetrack, so uh, I needed one Saturday night before I went to bed. Um yeah, it, it was a strange morning because when we drove into the track, it was fine. It was clear. You could see the stars in the sky. Um, and then as we got a bit closer to the start of the race, sort of the, the bit of mist came down and we thought, oh, it could. It just sort of feels a bit like light rain and, and up towards the mountain it looked like it. Down the bottom was fine. Um, and then sort of half an hour before, this fog just rolled in straight away. It was really, really strange. And um yeah, just, just an obscure, typical day of Bathurst weather. What what was amazing was I don't remember a race where, certainly not a 12-hour, and it's been a while since we've had a 1,000 like it, where it's rained quite a lot, dried, and got completely dry, but then done exactly the same thing again later on. Uh, it was quite, quite surprising how that all played out over the course of the day. And, yeah, it definitely added another dimension to it all. Mm, certainly did uh, an amazing lap by Chaz on Saturday to take pole position. Yeah, what what did you think about Quali, boys? So I'm I'm interested to to get your feedback because it was a last minute change, and ultimately what we got was a better session than I think we would have had we rolled with the shootout because the biggest issue that we'd faced all weekend was tire warm up, and basically an outlap was a extremely sketchy. And B, it would have meant that pole was probably going to be a 207.5 because there was, you just could not generate tyre temperature. What we got in the end was a really good battle for pole. It quite, quite literally a shootout between uh, Kelvin Vanderlinder and Chazzy Mostert. So I'm interested to know what you guys thought and whether that, that maybe should be something we do at the 12-hour moving forward full-time just to give a bit more of a, a point of difference from October. No. Um, I, I understand that I understand that it was done for the right reasons and the reasons behind it were all sound and I don't have a problem with that with the unique situation that this event was in in May with the smaller car count than usual yeah, top 10 shootouts at Bathurst are awesome you know it's you make that top 10 shootout all the focus is on you for that one lap you know you're getting all the TV time and the attention and it's all on the line if you and you can pull one out of the hat where you got absolutely kissed on Saturday was Chaz's third sector there was mm. ridiculous. Like, where did that come from? It was nowhere in the first two sectors and then bang, pulls out a pole and and that absolutely saved it. So uh, it, it turned out all right on the night, but uh, I hope in future they have a top 10 shootout. Yeah, I think next year, boys, when we've got the full complement of cars back, definitely return to a shootout because a GT3 shootout with those cars, something to see, that's for sure. Can we just send them around for a couple of warm-up laps instead, Richard? <laughs> well, February and then send them off be... for one lap. So, like, do two warm-up laps and then. Yeah, well, I, I still know the tires no, won't be up to temperature. Doesn't work for doesn't work for TV, but uh, no. I mean, February next year it'll be a million degrees again, so it probably won't be as much of a an issue. I don't know. I I really enjoyed it. I, I thought I loved the way it built and built and built, and it built towards the final after the final siren. Basically, the biggest irony of Quali was that it got Audi in massive strife. And there were seriously angry people down with the four rings on their shirt with how that played out because it yeah. didn't really need to happen between Chaz and Vandalinda. You know, they were six tenths quicker than uh, Ricardo Feller and then Jules Gounon. 
in the first of the Mercs. But what it did was get them a balance of performance adjustment. So they copped 15 kilos of weight. And it certainly didn't change Sunday for Audi. They they lost that car race. But you never want to go into a race having to carry 15 more kilos than you did um, the day before. So, yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. On Audi, they dropped it, didn't they? I mean, that mm. was ridiculous that we put on the race talk the top 10 things to look at. Number two, point two was the driver time for the AMs. Like yeah. if a noob like me can decipher the rules adequately like that and put it on a website, copy and paste, surely the biggest team in the race should have been able to figure that one out. But they didn't do it once. They did it twice. And that cost mm. them a win because van der Linde was absolutely on fire. That was so cool. I mean, that, that whole race, it was. I enjoyed it because you're engaged the whole time. You didn't know what was coming. Even at the end when they weren't necessarily all together on the track, they were still banging out those lap times. Uh, I watched all 12 hours of it, except for five minutes of it when I was doing the gardening and found a wasp nest and absolutely got eaten alive by wasps. So <laughs> oh, there's five no. minutes when I was rolling around the ground. Oh, no. <laughs> so I hope nothing really good happened in that five minutes, Rich, about halfway through. It was fascinating and and. It played out differently to how I expected. There, A, there were more safety cars in the first half than I thought there'd be, um, which we were slightly concerned about. I'm not going to lie to you. With a 20-car with field, there was sort of a thought of going, oh, my God, how many cars are we going to lose? Especially when we lost, out of realistic contention, the, the Chazzy car and the Tony Bates car, for example, and you know, even cars that probably weren't going to win, but could have been really solid, like the Ram Motorsport entry and the Valmont Racing car, the, the two Mercs. Um, but that last, I, I don't think anyone expected that last quarter of the race to run under green, which it did. It was three hours of green flag running at the end. So it went in the first eight hours to being a really typical Bathurst Enduro. Lots of safety car restarts, um, a couple of good long runs where the strategy can play out, but where you knew that there'd be a safety car to pull things back. And it turned from that into a traditional european endurance race where they just run flat out as hard as they possibly can and it became probably a little bit more um what's the word i'm looking for cerebral than outright thriller but i i really enjoyed the way it played out and and it was a privilege to see Jugunon and maro engel doing what they were doing at the end and not everyone's will have liked that finish everyone would have liked i'm sure some people would have liked to seen the a door banging bathurst finale but for for someone who's seen a lot of those races to see those two guys who are among the best gt races in the world punching out the lap times they were after 10 11 hours of car racing was awesome and they were driving those cars as hard as they could be driven and I think the only disappointment for mine was that Audi stuffed their strategy so badly that mm. Kelvin Vanderlinde wasn't in that mix. Um, because the, the Mercs weren't as fast, but I guarantee you they would have become very difficult to pass had had he come ranging up behind them in car 74. Mm. So that's probably the only disappointment I've got from the end of that race. Otherwise, I thought it was a really cool shootout between two unbelievably good drivers. Joe, tell you, you're hard to please, aren't you? If, like, Race has gone for 12 hours, and there's a nine-second margin between oh, first and second. Yeah, Shebex. But, you know, you, reading some of the comments, some of the, especially on the Supercars pages, it's, um, you know, they forget when their heroes lounge in Wink Cup won in 2017, it was by a full lap. So, you know, people are hard to please. But anyway, I thought it was good. 
what do we think about this craft bamboo strategy at the start of the race where they just stopped for like every single time they could? Like, Krause, like as a 12-hour aficionado, can you explain what that was all about and what the advantage was? It was genius. That's what it was. And it had us completely <laughs> befuddled. I will have a point and, and not wanting to give ourselves a pat on the back too much, but I'll give Chad Nalon a pat on the back because he and I talked about the driver time thing with Brad Schumacher about 15 minutes before it all came to a head. So if Audi was actually watching the TV coverage, they would have known that they were in strife. So whether they knew they were in strife or not, I don't know, but we called it before it happened. The craft bamboo thing was really interesting. So the regulation stated that your two-minute compulsory pit stop, you can take one under safety car, but you could only take one every given safety car. So what they did was the moment the race went green again is they peeled back into pit lane and took another one. So essentially what they were doing was dropping to the back of the lead lap, but they were bowling over two compulsory pit stops for every one safety car. And because we had quite a lot of safety car at the start of the race, it worked for them. So what it meant was by the end of hour four, so little more than a quarter of the way into the race, they had ticked off every single compulsory pit stop box they needed so they could just every pit stop from there on in was as short as you could possibly make it so it gave them an enormous amount of flexibility and if you work it out so by the time they'd completed nine stops most other teams had completed four just because of all the safety car so the difference between a cps and a non-cps is somewhere about 30 seconds So they were five compulsory pit stops in front. That two and a half minutes they saved later in the race that they gave away earlier on. So it was genius. It was 100%. Now, in some races, it won't work. Um, In the 2020 Bathurst 12 hour, it probably wouldn't have worked as a strategy. But just the way the race played out, really, really canny thing to do. And they knew they had the car speed and the driving talent to, to drive around it. So... Well played them. That was a, a new strategy we've never seen at Mount Panorama before, and I really liked it. Well done. They, they were leading at three-hour mark after 12 pit stops. Yes. <laughs> after yeah. three hours and all that rubbish. Um, and, and you gave him a shout-out uh, in the later part of the telecast. Shane Fowler was the refueler yeah. there, friend of the racetalk.com, and he was actually on the message to me early in the race. I'm like, Dude, don't you have a car to refuel? He's <laughs> <laughs> got a bit on. Um, a few other little takeaways. Uh, I love the broadcast. Obviously, Chad was great. Matt, yourself. Uh, Garth Tander. Wow. I mean, he lost his voice, but I, yeah. I love his insight, his knowledge and his passion and the fact that he's articulate and can string words together, mm. which I clearly can't. But, um, he, you know, he's got the technical knowledge. He builds cars himself. He knows... Um, how the GT3 cars are put together, like when the coin spot Audi came into the pits with those gearbox troubles, he knew exactly what was going on. He's going, well, that's going to be a long stop if it's have to replace that particular part on the car. So that was mm. good. And you go going back to the end of the race when they were banging out those lap times and right on board with one of the cars and was like, oh, he was flat through Reed Park there. And you can tell <laughs> that he was genuinely impressed that, mm. you know, from the driving perspective that he brought that to the telecast. Another one to the side of that, how on earth do you follow all the strategy plays in the race? Peeking behind the curtain here, have you got little helpers? That's have you got a call. spreadsheet? Have good you got a question. piece of paper? Because uh, I'm sitting there at home and you're you are so on top of all these things that are happening. You have a, a guest up in the 
in the box, you'd have Brock Feeney up there. And he's like, so what are you doing next, Brock? And you're like, I don't know. I'm just the driver. And so, well, this is what you're going to be doing next, Brock. I yeah, thought that I, was great. I picked that one like a daddy knows as well. I've got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I reckon Shane Van Gisberg and Strike going to jump back in and then you, and then they'll put your aim in for one more stint and then you'll go to the end. And he was like, I don't know. And that's exactly what they did. Um, <laughs> no, look, I, uh, I, I, one of the things I'm good at, I think in life is reading a car race. So uh, I, I love unpicking that strategy and there's some software we use, which helps, but um lots of notes and I burned through about six pages of a notebook, but, um, I, I love it. And, and to full credit, like Chad, Chad is as good as anybody at that as well from the pit lane side of things. And we often talk off air, um, on the, on the back channels during the race to have a bit of a discussion about what we think people are doing and when they're going to stop. And then we, we translate that into the, the, um, tech center or our discussions we have throughout the race. So but I love it. I generally love, and, and this year gave us heaps of challenges with the new rules and the driver time stuff um, and, and calculating who had driver time left that they needed to tick off. And, and this was the Brad Schumacher scenario. Like when he jumped out of the car, we're like, Oh, really awkward that he's got to do 80 minutes of driving. They're probably going to pit, 90 minutes before he has to get out of the car and you've got to do that hour after this, the second half of the race in hour seven. And um, yeah, I, I really love watching all that play out. That's, that's where I, I'm a massive nerd, I suppose, but uh, you know, that's how I roll. And the one that we picked before the race was the AM pace. And I think it, it wasn't that big an issue during the race, except for maybe triple eight. And it was something that you brought up. It was as if they were protecting the prints from some of the mm-hmm. uh, worst conditions in the first half, and they had to sort of overload him in the back. Do you think that cost them in the final rundown? No, uh, I don't think it cost them. I don't think they would have been any higher up had they run it differently because they just did not have the That's car nice, speed. Yeah, yeah they, they were not fast enough, which which is very strange, especially given what the the sister car was doing with with Jugunon behind the wheel so that that surprised me they had peak one lap pace so on any given lap one at a time Shane could go with the cars around him in that end sort of shootout with Mara Engel but he couldn't match them over a long run which was very surprising for mine and and that's it's another story where T8 have been close but not quite close enough at Bathurst in terms of car speed and if you go back over the last couple of years where Triple Eight's cars have finished They've been third or fourth, basically. They've been very, very close, but they haven't had that last little half a percent of raw speed that ultimately you need to win the car race. Um, yeah, I, I agree. They, I thought they were protecting Prince Jeffrey a little bit and, and the crash he had earlier in the weekend when he came off the road at, at turn two, nerfed the thing into the barriers and they missed all most of practice three. In fact, they missed all of practice three. It was on his outlap and all of practice four. I think that really hurt them. It uh, it put them behind the eight ball and it, and it probably dampened um, Prince Jeffrey's confidence as well. And it would take a long time for him to get back. And we saw the same thing with BRM when Mark Rosser crashed their car on Saturday. And I, I spoke to Mark after the race and he said, mate, I was shot my confidence to pieces because that was the last time I drove the car. The next time I jumped into the car, we were leading after what Nick Perkett and Joey Mawson had done at the start. So he said it took me ages to build my confidence back after that. It's a massive thing for the AM driver in that race. So, 
Yeah, it was um, it was really interesting. They just weren't quite there, but I, but Triple Eight were very satisfied, and they played a big role in Sun Energy One Racing's victory, and and Kenny and and their guys producing what they did at the end. Before we move on to Winton this weekend, uh, she was at Kenny Herbull's story, uh, the Peter Brock. <laughs> I, I wasn't fully aware of the the depth of that Peter Brock story. The fact that Brocky took him in as a young kid and the like it was just amazing. It really, it's a great tale. It genuinely is. And and the passion that Kenny has for Mount Panorama is as genuine as I've ever seen anyone have feeling for that place. And, and you know, the four of us all desperately love Bathurst and mm. Craig Lowndes desperately loves Bathurst and things like that. And, and Kenny is right up there in terms of the raw emotion that that place generates for him and having won it. I half expect him to go, I'm not going to drive ever again because this is peak. And he didn't say that because I suspect he'll keep racing. But I was half expecting that at the end of the race. Um, and his half a Woody comment was outstanding. And just, I, I, I did, I bumped into him. I made a tactical withdrawal very early, but we had a quiet little team TV debrief at the Ox uh, upstairs on Sunday night. And um, just as I decided to leave, Kenny and his cadre walked in. Yeah. Um, and they, just, uh, they were going to have a very, very good night. We we left, they, which was they got the Uber down from five oh five Conrad Street. Yeah, yeah. So we we made a tactical decision to withdraw there, um, to save ourselves for uh, the remainder Honest. of the year. But um, it's not real good at safety car restarts, though, is he? No, no. He made some errors. Um, and he was pretty brutal on himself about that in the press conference after the race. Um, owned him hundred percent. But but that's where I like the four driver option for them because. They could split their minimum driver time for the AM drivers between two of them. And uh, and Martin Conrad did a superb job. He was very, very good. And then anchored by Lucas Stolls, who did almost five hours in that car. And um, Jules Gounon, who was magnificent as always. He's just awesome to watch drive racing cars. And he gets it too. I don't know if you heard the quote at the end, but he said, I was... I had some jet lag. I was sitting in the bath reading the book of the Peter Brock, and uh, I loved that. That was just great. So he's another international driver that truly gets um, the importance and the majesty of, of Mount Panorama. I love Winton, but I don't know how you follow a Bathurst 12-hour with a Winton super <laughs> sprint. There's got to be a week's break, doesn't there, surely? Over to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> And can we talk about can we talk about Perth for a sec as well? Like yeah, I was on after Perth because, as you all mentioned, I was in seat one A flying home yes. uh, after Perth. But I must say, um, as the hashtag Doric guy watching uh, Will Davison win his first race since twenty sixteen, I did have a tear in my eye and I did cry like a baby. Mm. Oh. Um, but it's amazing. Like I've known Will and sponsored Will since two thousand eleven. I haven't seen him win a race live since Townsville 2013. Wow. wow. So I missed 2016 Bathurst because I was overseas. So yes. um, it was pretty emotional to see that victory and just the relief on the guy's face. And I'm now glad that that's happened. And now his eyes forward on the next challenge, which is this weekend in Winton. Mm. So was a monkey off the back stuff for him, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think it's just it's just all media talk, you know. Um, you know, Will Davison lives racing. It's a racing family. His brother drives with him at Bathurst, is a racing driver, drove with a 12-hour. Alex, his dad's a racer. His whole family, grandfather, there is a family of racers. He lives and breathes motorsport. And, you know, that winning is all that matters to him. And to finally get that going again, uh, I think watch out for the rest of the season. 
it's not a bad track for the old Dick Johnson racing there at Winton. They've won more races there than anyone. And sort of since the Car of the Future platform comes came in 2013, it's been a bit of a home ground heroes down there. The Victorian teams have done very well, but four of the last six races have been won by Scott McLaughlin. So that team knows, you know, whether that's the Scott McLaughlin factor, if any of that can bleed over from 2019 because we've missed the last two years. I mean, at least this year, the race isn't going to get cancelled two days before the event. So that's going to be a positive, isn't it? Um, it hasn't been a triple eight track. You know, they've only had one win in this current era car and that was Van Giz. That's his only win uh, in all the races that he's had there. So, you know, that team have got to work it out. Um, you know, there's been 40 races since 2013 and they've finished 16 of them outside the top 10. It's not a good track for them. So it's an opportunity here if, if someone wants to step up. But then again, this season, the way it's gone, it doesn't matter what the stats say. You know, SVG can roll out there and bang in another race win. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And like, remember, like the old days of 2013, 14, Car of the Future, when, you know, Jamie used to dominate and he'd turn up at Winton and be like 20th. Like, mm-hmm. you just have a shocker. But I think, as you're right, Marco, I think this weekend, you know, it's Shane again, but can your know, DJR qualify up the front? And can there be enough cars in between him and Shane and them and Shane to, to make sure that the race victory can happen? Because that's really what happened at race two at Barbagello. Um, you know, they got enough cars in between Shane to get away from him and and get the victory. It's a, a comment on how Triple Eight's wintered form or lack thereof that since 2013, Erebus Motorsports Mercedes supercar has won as many races as Triple Eight has at the venue. <laughs> that's not that's not good for Triple Eight, PS. And and just on oh, the N- uh, Nismo's won more. Well, yeah, exactly right. And so is Brad Jones Racing, like three times as more. Which is just remarkable. And just one comment, Tom, on the Perth thing. Um, if you social that you're in seat 1A, it's going to get brought up. Just just FYI, it, it will get discussed. I, you, so, uh, I did not social it. I sent you that in a text message. That was yeah. a private conversation. That was not social. No, that's that's definitely not private when that's, you're in that's, business class. That's I'm sorry. So, that's, that's social. That's fair game. <laughs> like, in my business class is open, Slather, my friend. In my defense, it was a free upgrade that I no, didn't pay fine. for. So it was I just charm. It was, was sorry, guy, charm. I, mean, I think I'd like to believe that what it is is people know who Doric guy is, and I genuinely was asked by several people on the weekend where Doric guy was on the Bathurst 12-hour grid. Mm. Where was he? He'd been the, he, well, he was he was at home looking after his uh, brother's son, uh, child that was sick. So I was doing oh, the family right. duties. I've just been a good bloke. But, well, like, you know, I'll be back at Winton. Couldn't Don't see worry. him in the fog anyway. I'm, I'm blown away. When that fog was there, I'm like, well, this is going to be a good three hours of filler here for my Sunday morning. But uh, it's like, all right, lights out in the safe. You go, Are you kidding? Yeah, that was re- and you look at some. Sorry, I'm going back to the twelve hour. Sorry, I'm sorry, Winton, <laughs> but that that foggy start. You look at some of the videos from Punterville, and it's incredible. Mm. Absolutely incredible. Anyway, it was. It was. Might, it, was. it might snow this weekend at Winton. We don't know. Well, that'd be new, wouldn't it? Well, no, but the, way, the weather's saying sunshine and seventeen to nineteen degrees every day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, they, they it could bowl- snow overnight, though. It's getting to a low of two or three every night. I mean, they bowled a wide at Winton, so I mean, I can't see why they can't bugger it up for uh, they buggered it up at Bathurst. So mm. every chance I can stuff it up for this. Isn't the opening of the snow season? Yes, yeah, to. Queen's birthday the weekend after, I think. Okay, cool. close yeah. enough. Generally means there's snow on the ground somewhere within <laughs> an hour's drive of Winton, doesn't it? 
Yeah, well, yes, I'll be up there for uh, an AMRS round on that weekend. Ah. So very much looking forward to getting snowed in at Winton. Best, best wishes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'll, I'll jump in here. I, I have – Winton is a round that has always felt very tenuous on the calendar in recent mm-hmm. times. I've, I've got genuine concerns that this could be the last time we go there. Um, there's, there's been some, some serious reshuffling behind the scenes at the Benella Auto Club and the AASA in which they're heavily involved in. And we saw the cancellation or strange sort of scenarios with a bunch of the AMRS categories going over to the Bend to run under Motorsport Australia. And it's all been a little bit strange there. So I hope that those changes behind the scenes aren't hurting the relationship between the BAC and supercars um, because this round survives a lot on the fact that it the Victorian government gets behind it with Victorian regional um, government money mm. so to promote tourism in the regions, which is very important, which is what Tail and Ben gets and it's what uh, Simmons Plains gets as well down in Tassie. But... Um, yeah, I, I wonder. I, I think there's a lot of calendar pressure at the moment and there's a lot of events. There's probably too many races on the calendar, especially with Adelaide coming back for circuits that there are um, and pressure for Phillip Island to return, things like that. So um, I'm interested to see how how it plays out and, and whether Winton gets a future. You'd love to see an announcement this weekend going, yep, we're coming back here for a long term. It's the sort of event that has yo-yoed on and off the calendar ever since 1985. It missed 87. It's uh, missed 2005. It only got back on in 2006 because China got cancelled. It's one of those events that's always sort of been on the fringe. If something's going to cop the chop, it seems to be Winton. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we enjoy it for what it is this weekend. And, you know, it's one of the two events in the calendar that has camping. I mean, it's surprising that more events don't embrace that sort of thing because it's a good revenue stream that's, Touching 160 bucks a pop for a campsite, so there'd have to be some decent wedge in it for them doing doing it that way. Good, uh, good support category as well. Porsche Carrera Cup, uh, yeah. On the category Formula Fords, uh, the national sports sedans as well are on the cards. Uh, yeah, not not bad at all. And super and uh, V8 Utes, are they? Yeah, uh, yeah. Aussie racing cars and Aussie racing cars and yeah, Aussie, yeah, racing Aussie racing cars. cars. Oh, it could be a pretty. It's actually a decent. It's a very decent. I know race you. Oh, both Utes and Aussie racing cars. Yeah, Aussie yeah. racing cars are at Bathurst, though. Yeah, no, they just race every weekend, mate. Yeah. They're, oh, they're at the uh, Superbike as well. <laughs> yeah. They were, yeah. yeah. Wow. 40-round oh, calendar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sensational. Like NASCAR. But that's a good support program, isn't it? Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, from an on all track fantastic. That's great. That's a, it actually could be one of the biggest support programs of the year. Well, yeah, I, I think it might, actually might be. Uh, Career Cup's going to be... Interesting around there. 30 Carrera Cup cars Amazing. at that place. How, 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 pl- how does yeah. that play out? How are the radiators on them? There's a bit, uh, of, well, bit of nose to tail. Yeah, they're, they're still, still susceptible to being smashed, so it <laughs> hasn't changed. When was the last time, Richard? 2018, was it? No, 16. 13. 13. Nick Percat was in Carrera Cup last time they raced at Winton. Wow. I, I like the stat that there were more from the first time that they raced at Winton with Tony Quinn and Rodney Jane, yes. et cetera, were in it than they were in it last time. Yeah, correct. It's a Arcrail original stat, that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. We had a chat to uh, Tim Blanchard. Of course, he'll be racing Formula Ford, and uh, that promises to be good. National Sports Sedan Series. Todd Kelly's a uh, young lad 
is racing there in his uh, debut race, so that's going to be great to see him. What's he driving, Shebexter? Sorry, mate? What's he driving? A car. Cool. Uh, let me tell you, Mark, you have a chat about it. He, he actually uh, got up for a podium at Phillip Island in the state championship round in the Hyundai XL Universal Championships there in the weekend. So uh, young Mace is doing a good job. Yes. And Tony's still running some He's still rolling there. through the scratching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying to find it somewhere. <laughs> Great to have Formula 4 back, and, and we did hear from Tim Blanchard, though. I, I'd love seeing them back at a supercar round. It just feels right, doesn't it, Tom, seeing those cars at a, at a main game event with a bunch of young superstar drivers and anyone that saw Formula 4 at Phillip Island at the Shannons round earlier this year. I mean, it's one of the best car races that's ex- that's happened in 2022 so far. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing them go at it this weekend. Well, it's such a lifeblood of um, Australian motorsport. So many of the current supercar drivers have come through Formula Ford. And, you know, um, I think, you know, that there could be potentially some, I think, some prizes on offer for the, a supercar drive or something like that for a Formula Ford winner. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural move still from uh, Formula Fords in Australia to uh, supercars. Oh, that's with, uh, with Dick Johnson Racing, I believe. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. How are you going there, Shebex? Any, any uh, a, mark, ma- a Mark car, Mazda 3. Oh, good. Right. Excellent. Oh, what, a, what a car, that Mazda yeah. 3. There's not yeah. a lot of Mazda 3 in a Mark car, though, is there? No. Badge. Oh, yeah. I suppose. Mm. And that's it. I t- I actually, <laughs> that's it. I had to go back to the 12-hour again. Didn't Jake Camilleri do a grouse job to put his thing up in a P2? If that stayed if, wet the whole way. Yeah, they could have actually they could have won the race. No, seriously, they they could have contended for an outright podium. Those things were unbelievably good in the wet, and the the benchmark lap time goes out the window. They don't have to worry about it. Mm. So no, he uh, he drove superbly well. Did uh, did the Queensland car dealer Grand Prix master? Good to see. Last couple of things to look at, boys, before we say goodbye. Uh, Indy cars on the weekend. We're racing this week. They're racing this weekend, aren't they? No, they raced yeah. last weekend. Last weekend, weekend. On the road, yeah. Indy GP, keep up. Yeah, um, very, right. very rude that they put it on at the exact same time as yeah. the 12 hour started. Yeah. yeah. So, Richard, you watched the Indy cars clearly? No, well, Your I, thoughts? Ne- I'm not going to confirm nor deny <laughs> that we may have had uh, a small window open on a screen from a network that certainly wasn't covering the 12 hour. That you work, um, that you still work for invoice. Oh, yeah, really but just keeping an eye on the uh, on who was going well in the IndyCar race. Do you know, an IndyCar stat I love about this season is that Will Power has finished no higher than third in the five IndyCar races so far, but he's finished no lower than fourth either. So, mm. and he currently leads the IndyCar championship. So, is so, that Will, Will Power or Will Davison? We're not willpower. Oh, yeah, right. How's okay. the consistency? Run a bit of will consistency there. That's good. Correct. Um, which is great. So he leads the championship. Scotty McLaughlin clinging on to the second. Colton Herder got his first win of the season with a few bold little strategy changes. I did watch. I did watch this race. Crazy weather. What about the save um, though? What about the, the oh, Colton Herder save? Was that bit of car control? Yeah. Oh, that, that was amazing, wasn't it? That looked like it hurt. That yeah. would have been wrist injuries right yeah, there. That, yeah, exactly. There's a bit of spring back in that. Yeah. Can I say hands. that Shane Van, Gisbergen would, Shane Van Gisbergen would have watched that and thought, I wish that was me. Oh, he might have. He would have loved that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see him have a crack in an IndyCar because I seem to think he'd go quite well. Um, and it gives someone else a chance to win more races <laughs> here. But um, 
No, uh, entertaining race. They move into the month of May now with uh, qualifying weekend for the 500 this weekend and then uh, the Indianapolis 500-mile race the weekend after. So looking forward to that. Great to see Hunter McElroy, Tommy, on the podium in Indy Lights for the first time this season. Been a really challenging start to the year for uh, our young mate, but really superb drive. And to get his first podium at the Speedway is pretty special. Yeah, the, the, the kid is full of ambition and he's still disappointed with his weekend finishing second and sixth. So, you know, he's still got a, you know, he's a 21-year-old rookie. You know, he's so young and still learning his craft. And that Indy Light Series is full of international drivers. There's mm-hmm. so many drivers from all across uh, Europe and North America and obviously hunters from from here. So uh, it's such a, a, a variety of different countries and drivers and, they are, that's provide some great racing and some really talented kids on the way through to whatever open wheel formula they end up in. I mean, he's second in, of the rookies this year, so he's, I think he's seventh in the points. Mm-hmm. And there's only been four events and two of them were on the weekend. You know, the first two were a bit of a blowout, but uh, still plenty of time for him to get his stuff together, which he clear, clearly is. I love the fact the second race on the weekend was held in two parts and ultimately took six hours to complete <laughs> just due to weather and all sorts of chaos going on there. Another yeah. race, another yeah. race that was on at like the same time as a 12 hour. So I had a 12 hour on, on the TV and had Hunter's race on at the same time at like half past eight on Sunday morning. It's great. Man. Good man. That's what Beautiful we want. stuff. All right, boys. See you all at Winton. Uh, do we pick a winner? Or do oh, we just going. accept and move on that it's going to be Shane Van Gisbergen? No, not at all. Let's not do that. Uh, no, what about a wild card? Pick Cam a wild Waters. card. Cam Waters. That's a wild card. Yeah, I, I actually like that. Yep. Yeah, all right. You want a wild card? Andre Heimgartner. Oh. Macaulay Jones. But no, let's have well, a sensible wild card, no, shall we? He, he was Ray Jones Racing have won three races at Winton Motor Raceway in the last seven years. They, all, they say, always go well there. Can I say Nick Perkett? Sure. Well, it's, it's going why. to be an up round for Walkinshaw. That's right. It, Chaz it is going to, to absolutely it? sweep it. Yeah. Actually, Chaz is, I think he's got equal most poles, or he's right up there in poles, so he can qualify well there, which is half the drama at Winton. So if mm. uh, we have good Walkinshaw this weekend, he'll he'll be in the conversation. And I, think I, love, we, that, I love that run down to turn one at Winton, mm, especially well, with these things. It there's is. always a bit of energy in it because oh. uh, it tends to decide the motor race more often than not at that place. Yeah. Correct. All right, guys. See you all uh, up there in a couple of days' time. Thank you, boys. And I'm we'll nodding. see you on the grid again very shortly.